Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the fall 2021 semester. Today, I had the privilege of talking with cadet Kyle McRae. He's an AS400, originally from the island of Guam, and he's pursuing a career as a special warfare officer. Jobs of those include TACP, Stowe, and Crow. And if you're trying to do one of those positions, this is definitely a good episode for you. Even if not, all cadets can learn from his adversity when he attended phase two um, this past month and how he got to persevere past his perceived limits and how all of you can do the same. So without further ado, let's get rolling into episode three. Please prepare for takeoff. Live with Debt 075. And we're live with Cadet Matt Greg. Welcome. What's up, brother? Good to have you, man. I heard before we uh, start this podcast, you wanted to say a quote real quick. Yeah. So this is a book called Musashi. It's a long Japanese book, and it talks about a guy who um, he changed his life around, just become like the greatest samurai in, in, in the land. And uh, there's a certain part in the book that uh, whenever I was feeling low about myself or I needed an extra push, I would just say this to myself, so... Uh, just to give context about the situation, Musashi, he's, he's around temples. He's uh, doing his prayers, and it uh, goes like this. He stopped along the way to look at several well-known temples, and at each of them, he bowed and said two prayers. One was, please protect my sister from harm. The other was, please test the lowly Musashi with hardship. Let him become the greatest swordsman in the land, or let him die. And uh, that kind of gives you the... Um, for me, it just gives me the mindset of, like, be gung-ho. And um, if you're going to do something, you know, uh, you only live once, so just give it your all. Definitely. I appreciate that. That's something we'll dive into later. And so thank you for that. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know who Cadet McRaig is, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Cadet Kyle McRaig. Um, I'm a fourth year at SDSU, kinesiology, pre-physical therapy major. Uh, my hometown is um, Guam. Guam? Oh, yeah, I, I remember you talking about that before. Like, that's super interesting. That's, you know, a lot of cadets are pre-PT and stuff like that, but Guam is really mm-hmm. interesting. Do you want to talk about, like, what was that like coming up in here? In Guam? Like growing up in Guam? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean <laughs> if I were to pair, compare Guam to America, I'd say Guam is like living in SDUC area. Really? And that's it. That's basically, you know, your east side, you know, your west side, you know, your north side, you know, your south side. Um, you know, like, each part of the island. And once you know each part, you kind of don't need, need GPS anymore. So if I were to, ex- like, try to describe it, it's so small that it's, it's, it's almost imprinted in your memory, every little detail of the island. Even though sometimes learning about a land can be, like, hard. When you're living in Guam, sometimes you just run 10 minutes and then you're at the beach already, run 10 minutes back and you're already home. Hot, tropical, but um, definitely a special place in my heart. Yeah. Were you there, like, all during elementary school or either in high school? Like, how long were you over there? Yeah, for? so I was there uh, from from the day I was uh, born. I mean, I, le- I came to SDSU in 2018, but I've been there for 18 years. I've uh, been through it all. been through all the typhoons, been through all the rainy seasons, sunny seasons. I remember being there when uh, North Korea was uh, attempting to bomb us. Jeez. So I remember uh, being a little scared for my life at that time. But, yeah. Did you all have, like, is. drills during school or I something? mean, nah. I mean, definitely, like, watching CNN on YouTube and be like, wow. I'm, I'm about to be the first target in from this country. So, I mean, 
Um, there was no really drills, like Cold yeah. War type of era, but more so it was like, it was a little scary, but that was one interesting. Yeah, and you seem to have like a lot of pride from being there too. I, I yeah. think in your house you have like a, a flag from there mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And you said you you left when you were in 2018. Had you were you were you able to visit the U.S. beforehand? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, so originally my my family is from the Philippines, and mm. um, there was those that was there. There was an era where there was the people that wanted to live the American dream. So those whatever era that was, they would leave their home country, and then they would go to the U.S. To have that American dream, uh, my family, my grandma was one of them, and so as long as her, uh, also uh, her siblings. So I definitely have like a lot of family here in this side. Um, I was able to come here a couple times before, like in 2012, came here for a vacation, and I was here when I was a little kid. But when you're a little kid, you don't remember anything. Yeah, but I remember yeah. being in 2012, and the first thing I had that was amazing. I went to Starbucks and I had the lemon loaf, <laughs> and then I was like, wow. That's the American dream right there. And I was like, every time I went back to the States, I was like, I want my lemon loaf. Uh, but yeah, definitely when you come to, from small island to big world, it's like, you kind of don't want to go back. So Big change. Yeah, big changes. And the first time you did make that change is 2018 when you got into the ROTC program? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like the, This was like the jump. Like I'm wow. not here for vacation. I'm here for um, school and stuff like that. Dang. That, that must have been a big culture shock for you, I'm guessing. Um, or is it just kind of it's a way different experience? I think definitely, like, people take it. There's people that they take it differently. I remember, like, for example, I knew a person. We, they came from Guam as well. Mm-hmm. And we were in the same dorm area in um, SDSU. And they were just like, oh, I miss home. Oh, I miss all this and stuff. And all sad. And I was like, oh, it is amazing here. Yeah. Like, look at the weather. It's cold. Why is it cold? So, I mean, you definitely take it differently, but I definitely, I remember being just so happy to, like, being in this lucky opportunity, like, oh, I get to be in college. Definitely. In the state side. Right. So, I definitely, like, I took it better than some, even though some people were born and raised in California all their life and they got a little sad when they had to move away from home. I definitely was a little happy to move away from home. I can understand that. Were you someone that got brought up in a military household? No. I, the thing about Guam, it's so small that... Um, everybody joins the military either just because they want, they like the idea or they just want to get off the rock or, you know, they have that pride. Um, there's a stat out there that almost a good percentage of the population in Guam, they serve in the military. Um, for me, I wasn't really raised in a family like that. Um, but I know, I knew like people whose parents were in the military. And the cool thing about that was they had base access. And I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. I was like, what's base access? And sometimes you would see them come home, they had Popeyes, and they had all this. And I'm like, oh, where'd you get Popeyes? I always saw the commercials, and I was like, man, I kind of want Popeyes. So that was one reason, like, oh, I kind of got in the military. I need my Popeyes. Or Le- I need that cheap gas, you know? Yeah. Lemon loaves and Popeyes, huh? Yeah, that was the American dream that I always wanted the, the grass. Definitely. So, okay, you weren't in a military household, but, it, you know, that's something I didn't know about that a lot. Of, there was a sense of joining the military in Guam. Mm-hmm. How did you get to be in ROTC in 2018 and, and make that permanent jump over here? So I think I should like tell that how I sparked that interest. So mm-hmm. in my high school, there was a Marine Corps JROTC in there. And I joined that. And after like being in a while, I was like, yeah, I want to enlist the Marines and whatever they said to kind of brainwash you when you're there. And I told my parents and they're like, no, you're not doing that. You're going to go Air Force and you're going to do something that better than that just not marines i remember being pissed that day i was like no you, you can't tell me i can't be a marine but you know it was probably the best advice they ever <laughs> gave me I'm, I'm so glad i didn't go down that route no disrespect to marines just that it's that um 
you know, if I went that route, I don't know how good my life would have been if I went that way. So, but um, I remember my senior year of high school. That's usually like when everyone starts the um, initial like planning phase, like apply to college, get accepted to college, and choose your college. I was definitely doing that back home. Um, I applied to all the um, CSU colleges here, California State Universities, just because they had Air Force ROTC. Uh, but what made me choose San Diego State was, in San Diego, there's a lot of, it's very diverse, um, but there's a lot of people from Guam in San Diego. So you would, um, if you knew the flag or you knew how the lingo of people from Guam, you can catch that sometimes. Hmm. Like for me, like sometimes I can hear a person's accent. I'm like, hmm. did you cousin this guy? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh, wow. That's my cousin. That's my friend. So definitely like. Coming from Guam to San Diego, it was definitely a shock, but there was some parts that was still familiar to me. And also, I'm Filipino, too, and um, I've met a lot of Filipinos here. So. What about the ROTC aspect of it? Did you know, like, in high school that you wanted to do ROTC in general? Because I mean, you said Marines. Like, were you going to enlist right away? Yeah, or? that was the idea. Got you. Got shut down. But I go through high school, and then it was like I knew I was going to Air Force ROTC, but I didn't, I didn't know why I was doing it. I was think I think I was just doing it because that was the parents' plan. So Interesting. Kind of so you're that's a unique situation. You're uh, you were a cadet that wasn't like, oh, I will, will want to do Air Force. You had this Marine track set already for you, and your parents were like, no, like mm-hmm. you're doing this Air Force thing, and so you knew it was happening, and you knew you kind of got a little say in the school situation. It sounds like in regards to being SDSU. Kind of. I mean, kind of. when I got to SDSU and like first week of school, everyone was like, okay, you're going to find everything on Blackboard. And I was like, what's Blackboard? Or they're like, how many units are you taking? I'm like, what's a unit? I'm like, I'm 17, I guess. So I was like, kind of like, I was kind of lost in the beginning, like everybody else. But um, I guess that's how initial college is. Like, you kind of like start to figure out what you're doing there. Right. So I mean, I started figuring out what I was like, reality started hitting a while into like freshman year, first semester, like, oh, I'm an ROTC. I'm working for something. Right. Were you a scholarship cadet? Um, no. So that's one of my biggest regrets in life. Um, I remember my mom kept getting on me like, you better start applying for that scholarship. And I was like, yeah, I got it. And then I look at the requirements they need. Pretty basic, like you need SAT. You need to write an essay for certain GPA. Yeah, it's a dog verb. Like basic yeah, and stuff, I was yeah. like, yeah, I'll get to this later. And then I graduated high school, and then my mom's like, you didn't apply, huh? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. I can just get it when I'm in there. And then biggest regret because right now I'm not on scholarship, but if I had a way to turn back time, I would have, like, applied for that scholarship in high school. Or, yeah, work hard to get in in college scholarship. Definitely. And to some of the GMC out there listening that are still able to apply for scholarships, like, you heard it from Ken McGregor here, please do. Um, even if you don't get one, just knowing that you applied for those opportunities, you put yeah. in those efforts – It'll kind of give you a sense of peace of mind at all. I mean, that's not saying you're a great cadet and you're doing everything you need to do. But, okay, so you first... I'd like to, like, step in real quick, like, another big advice. You can be a great cadet in a detachment. Everyone can know your name and you can know your stuff. But definitely there's going to be other silver linings that are going to be put into being having you being put up as a scholarship cadet. Because I remember I was like, yeah, everyone knew me. I was like the PT dude. I was like... I was always noticeable, but, like... You know, my grades weren't there and um, all that. So definitely, if you want to be a good cadet and at least go for scholarships, be proficient in everything. Be proficient in the detachment. Uh, be proactive. 
get good grades you know and just put all effort into all those aspects because they really pull off like so like listen to me like do all you can definitely that's, that was a good point you you brought up the fact that you were kind of more involved you're doing the pt thing so is that what kind of what you jumped right into when you joined the Dez 100 kind of your vibe or? yeah so like it was funny it kind of fell on my lap um first semester of rtc i was no pt stud definitely like first day of pt i was like wow this is crazy uh, but one day I get a call from uh, a cadet who is like a physical training leader and he called me. He's like, hey, man, uh, I, I see you don't have like a current job in the mm-hmm. detachment. So I'm wondering if you want to be a deputy. At first I was like, what kind of call is this? And but then, you know, I was like, OK, sure, I'll be I'll do it. Probably one of the best things that could ever happen because I got so lucky, you know, being chosen for that position. And then because that's your like gateway. Right. Into like one of the best jobs in the wing. Those PTL. Right. Because once you're a PTL, when it's your time, you're the boss. So I definitely, I'm pretty grateful that uh, that that I kind of got lucky with that. Because it's a unique situation yeah. where you're leading everyone. Like mm-hmm. wing staff could be in your PT and you're telling them what to do and yeah. being able to just showcase that leadership. Or you can tell your instructor what to do and they can't, <laughs> they can't say no. Right, right. So you did that. And then uh, what else kind of happened in regards to transitioning into ROTC um, and that helped you grow in the program and that helped you kind of you know, we'll get kind of towards getting towards POC status, towards uh, field training soon. But maybe like later half 100 year, maybe beginning a 200 year. Was there a development with you or something you were focused on? Definitely, I think joining phase zero as a freshman. Okay. Uh, because I remember at NSO, his name was Morales at the time. And uh, Chris Morales was president. And he said, hey, uh, there's a club. We do workouts and uh, it's for special warfare. So if you're interested, join. And, you know, this is post, like, PFA, and I pass with a 90. I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a stud right mm. now, so I think I can do this. So I put my name on that sheet. Go, I go to one workout, and I see the dudes. They're all jacked, and they have rucks, and they're, like, cut. And there's me on the freshman diet of, like, meal plan, eating at the Habit Grill on campus or whatever. And, uh, man, that was the hardest day of my life because first thing we did on phase zero was, like, go to the pull-up bar, and then – Pull-up bar has a max occupancy of one person. There's two pull-up bars. So in the rounds, there's only two people doing pull-ups. So the rest of the team has to do a friendly rest in the gravel. No turf, gravel. And five minutes in, I'm like, man, what did I get myself into? And this doesn't count for a PT credit. Yeah, it's not count for, You just go on your own accord. And um, uh, we start We and after we do pull-ups. Then we're like, okay, we're going to go run. Team run, Indian run. And if you don't know what an Indian run is, you like start running in the line. And then some person in the back sprints to the front and it keeps going. And it can be like a hard thing because if your guy at the front is sprinting already while everyone's following, imagine trying to sprint to the guy who's sprinting. So I remember like not even not even a mile in, I was already gassed. I was like <laughs> I was like, damn, this is the hardest thing. And an important note that happened in my mind at that time, I was like, Yeah, I can be a pilot. I don't really need to do need to do this. Um, but yeah, first day of phase zero was like the hardest thing. And don't think it's, don't think the story stops with the run. Cause we didn't stop with the <laughs> run. We went back from, we went, we ran from the detachment in a, a trail and then we came back to detachment and then I was like, are we done? And they're like, no, we're going to go to the pool. I'm like the pool, we get to the pool and then they're like, okay, swim. I'm like, huh? So I remember just like two strokes. Oh, I was like, what the hell am I here for? And then we get done with the swim and then. We're like, I'm like, are we done? I'm like, no, we're going to go do some grass and gorillas and rucking. I'm like, I was like, what? And it's, it's, it's already like 
6 p.m. And we started at 4, and I'm like, what the hell? And then we get to the, the field, and we start doing our thing. Uh, but I remember just, like, on the walk back home from that workout, I was like, dude, just in shock. Because, like, there was, like, nothing I ever experienced like that. But definitely that was, like, my first taste of, like, hardship there. And then mm. I remember the, the week, a week went by, and then it was Friday. And then usually phase zero was on Fridays. And then in my mind, I was like, I have the choice to come back. And then I didn't want to look like a, I can't really say, but I, I didn't want to look like I was, like, chickening out. So I came back and. It's all that from there. It sounds like you remember this workout in graphic detail. Yeah, I remember it, it every day. Every new every new phase zero guy comes out. I say, you know what? I'm not. I didn't start out the way it was. So, yeah. That's, so, that's some good perspective to have is knowing where you came yeah. from mm-hmm. and reflecting back on that. But okay, you did phase zero. Yeah. I know you you can't hit HG a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we did too. Um, and then after that, 200 year. So you were getting a little bit more in shape. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I mean, for 200 years, the summer before I was, I did a program, got in a little bit of shape, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, not into like the best shape, but a better shape, you know? Definitely. And that, that kind of leads us into, you know, field training. Mm-hmm. You, you went there and were you getting in shape in going into field training? Cause it, being someone that was a PTL, I'm assuming yeah. you wanted to get on that PFA. I did. Yeah. And so perspective wise, it was like, this is during the peak of COVID and Everyone's staying inside. Everyone's staying comfortable. And um, I was guilty of that. Like, um, I remember I went home for the summer. I stayed with my mom. And I remember I just wake up, study my FTM, eat, work out for two hours, done. And, you know, that can sound like a pretty, like, in-shape schedule. But, nah, by no means was I really... Aiming for achievement, kind of one thing I regret, but um, I think it was just a different time. I had a different mentality and stuff. So I didn't go in field training as a stud, uh, but I didn't really um, care too much about being a stud at that time. That's interesting, and that kind of makes me want to delve into our our next topic. Because knowing now um, the fact that, you know, a big topic we want to talk about here is the special warfare aspects of the Air Force and you being someone that has experience in applying that. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of you that are listening right now, we're going to delve into like, what is a special warfare unit to the Air Force? Because you were someone that pursued that and is still probably pursuing that. And you just described how Mm -hmm. you weren't really at that point Mm -hmm. from field training. Yeah. So when when in your mind did that switch for you? Oh, Um, I would say... This is fall 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm a 300, and um, the saying is like, by your when you're already a POC, then you start putting your apps out. But that means that you would have already had been physically ready before you were a POC. Um, in mid semester, I was I had a previous injury. I dislocated my shoulder, and um, not in the best shape, I would say. Um, but there was a click. It was like. I'm going to have to start now or I can just do nothing and get whatever job I put on my dream sheet. So it was mid-semester fall and I was like, hey, got to start kicking the gear. I started doing a program again. It was a ranger program and uh, doing that kind of humbled me again, even though I did it before. Like redoing a program, even though you've done it, it's like I've done it before. I know I can finish a program. 
how much effort am I going to read put into this like to see myself like mm-hmm. improve because I can just do whatever it says on the program or I can like actually set goals like if it's a ru- it's a run day and you're doing quarter mile sprints and it says okay goal pace is 130 are you going to aim for the 130 or are you going to say okay 128 on this round or 126 on that round so definitely like having to rehumble myself and say you're doing a program again but you're going to reprogram your mentality it's a different focus it's a different it's in your different, head different focus different animal so it was definitely that shift did you know because you're talking about this shift did you know before field training that you wanted to do special warfare oh yeah you did okay definitely because i think everybody's first initial thoughts of what they want to do in the air force is pilot because they think Fair. Air Force, you know pilot's cool and for me, it was like, yeah, pilot's cool. I've been in a plane a few times. I'm not saying that I don't, I'm not grateful for for having those opportunities. I'm just saying that, like, being in a plane didn't really interest me as it did with others. Like, when I saw their face and their reaction and their, like, their talk, like, oh, my God, I just flew. Yeah. And then for me, I was like, yeah, I flew in a plane, but I, I just sat there and looked out the window. I mean, maybe if I was in the, like, what was it? The cockpit. cockpit. Yeah, if I was in the cockpit flying it, Maybe out of difference, but then definitely is my switch was I'm still in phase zero and I'm still putting in the work. I could have like stopped and quit, but there was something telling me like there's something here that you need to keep working on and it's not making you like leave. So I was like, I know I want this. so I, I might as well like start planting the seeds, see how I grow. So that did that initial challenge of that phase zero workout, your 100 year, is that what got you kind of delving into that community? Definitely because, like, um, looking who I was back then and looking who I am now, it's like you don't know what you're capable of. And mm-hmm. you just need that that day that humbles you just to show you that you need to work on it and use that day to work on it. And then watch as time goes by, you're going to see you yourself achieve things that you never thought you could. That's what made me stay. Just saying that the f- the the fruits of my labor were like starting to pay off. Right, got you. And and let's let's talk about that special warfare community for a second, because a lot of people were like, okay, they're talking about that you want to do special warfare. Yeah. And I know you're you're kind of the expert in this. I know there's yeah. uh, Tacfi, Stow, Crow, but if you want to kind of explain the basic aspects aspects of Air Force Special Warfare uh, to everyone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, Okay, there's a lot of jobs in the Air Force, and um, I might not say a couple, and I might get a lot of heat for that, but <laughs> uh, we're in RTC, so we're going to talk about the officer side of like special warfare. So there's TACP, Tactical Air Control Party, which is what I uh, am aspiring to be. Uh, TACPs are basically, their main job is airstrike. They work in the ground, and they coordinate with planes, and they get airstrikes in. Uh, you mainly work with like conventional Army units as a TACP, but... As you move on in your career, you can start to apply for better opportunities with uh, actual Green Berets, or you can actually work with uh, like soft units or Special Operation Forces units. And now we have Combat Control. Um, combat Control main mission is Global Access, and their main job is like they secure the airfield for the planes, and they cor- do a lot of air control. So, excuse me, it's a lot of, like air traffic control on the ground. I mean, you know, pretty cool. And the PJ, or pararescue, um, main mission is recovery. So they're, they're in charge of, like, rescuing down airmen or pilots and stuff. And that's the enlisted 
job titles, but then uh, the TACP officer is going to be a TACPO, uh, Combat Control Officer, Special Tactics Officer, or STO, and a Pararescue Officer is going to be a Crow, Combat Rescue Officer. It's basically just, those are like the, the big three in the Air Force. So you said, let me be the person that calls in the A-10. That's yeah, what you're going to be doing. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know they worked with the Army. Is there a reason for that? Um, I'm not too sure about the reason why. Well, I mean, I know a good reason why. I heard it from another podcast from a combat controller. He said um, the Air Force's um, JTACs, or Joint Terminal Air Controller, Attack Controller, um, they're the superior ones in the, in the military, so... If you're gonna have a, a guy that whose job is to call airstrikes, you might has might as well have the best ones. So, uh, I guess that's why um, attack B would start with an army, because like conventional air force, there's no such thing, you know, like because we're normally in the air for the mission. Yeah, we're in the air and you're in the mission, more like a support branch. So it's like you're the the connection between basically, air and ground. Basically, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, th- those are the basic. Um, aspects of special warfare if you have any questions feel free to ask at macrig about that but so you you specifically wanted tac p yeah. do and and you kind of explained your why in regards to you like hey you saw this really hard workout mm-hmm. your 100 year i know morales he got after it when yeah. he was in this debt and um you were like you know what this is hard mm-hmm. but it, it humbled you yeah and you wanted to continue to pursue that path that is that something you want to do in high school too or no nah, high school there's definitely no vision there um definitely didn't know what i want to do in the air force so high school is very um for high school understood for sure so okay you explained your why but let's say someone's listening to this and they're like how the heck do i get that because i i know there's a lot of, there's a lot of publicity let's say about like how to be a pilot. I know AAO is making their announcements all the time in regards to like, hey, we're going to talk about how to get your hours in, how to get your PIXM, your TBAS, and all that stuff for, for applying for this spots or, or this job. But I don't think there's as much known about how to apply for these special warfare positions because they are honestly just as competitive, if yeah. not way more competitive to get. And how would someone do that? Um, first off, I would say first, first thing you do before applying, you need to train. You need to start as early as your 100 year wow. or wherever uh, because before you put an application in, you want to know why you're doing it and if you know, you want to know if you think you can do it. Um, and then aside, that's like a personal opinion, but to actually start going into the career field, that's going to be phase one. Um, I'll mainly talk about attack P phase one because um, it's getting a little different now within uh, the other two two uh, two specialties so with uh attack p uh officer there's gonna be phase one and phase one is basically just an application period you have to do your physical uh assessment stamina test if i remember but it's called a pass test you need to do a pass test which includes um one minute of pull-ups two minutes minute of a minute yeah a minute and then minimum standard is like eight um, or 12, and then uh, two minutes of push-ups and sit-ups. The minimum for our push-ups was like 65. Sit-ups was like 75, and then you got to do a three-mile run in less than 22 minutes, and then a 500-meter swim in less than 12 minutes and 30 seconds. So a little more than your conventional PFA. Yeah, a little more than the PFA. A little more. 
Interesting. I didn't know you had to train in the water aspect as well. Um, it was, it'll be, I'll explain later, but I mean, I guess the Air Force Special Warfare is like starting to become more unified when it comes to like standards. So that's why they inputted like swimming right. for TACP officer like applications. So. so that's phase one? Is that what that's yeah, called? Phase one is like, oh, my bad. I didn't explain both. Yeah. So once you do your pass test, as long as you pass that pass test, um, you can put your application. And the application is basically a big resume that has um, your pass test included, your GPA, your ranking in your class, and and also like a like a re- like a little personal statement by yourself. Wow. That explains like why, why you want to do it. And you basically gotta like make that the best essay you ever made. Because really, if there was no essay component in the application and they just saw like numbers, they're there's really no way to gauge who they're going to take. So I remember on my essay, I was like, I want to be a TACP officer because I want to work with the guys that kind of get after it. They kind of like work after it every day, um, stuff like that. And you really got to make yourself sound solid because a lot of people, the, the officers and the enlisted TACPs are going to read that. And that's your, your, that's your hook. And I'm but, sure, and I'm sure we'll, this will be touched on later, but to those that think, you know, the phase zero guys are just giant meatheads. It's probably the biggest misconception of all time. You have to have so much leadership yeah. skill and so I mean, I didn't even an essay just to get into that. Yeah, I had to uh oof, that was hard. Definitely. So that's that's phase one. So if, if there's a phase one, I'm guessing there's something after that. Yeah, so like phase one, say for example, my phase one application period was in May. May. And then I'll tell the story of how I found out I got picked up for phase two. And basically phase two is once you get that invitation, that's your like week long tryout. That's your secured slot into that tryout. And I remember I was at work. I just got off. I go to my phone. I see the email from, I see the email from the point of contact at uh, TACP officer phase two or top T. And there's a memorandum. And then um, it showed the names like commanders. These are the people that are selected to go to top T. And whatever. And then I remember my heart dropped. I was like, oh boy, is my name here? I started scrolling down. I see Cadet Kyle McAray. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was, in like, I was in a little chair in the back room of Starbucks. That's where I work. And I was like, <clears throat> hell yeah. Usually I remember, because I know guys that got picked up for phase two and their reaction was like, <clears throat> like they want to throw up. Like, oh my God, this is it. I, I remember my distinct, rea- my distinct reaction was like, oh yeah. I'm about to get You've been training for I've it. I've been training for it. I was like, this is what I wanted, though. Like, I'm so happy for it. That was my initial reaction. Yeah, I mean, you. I worked out with you a couple of times this summer, and you were on that yeah. grind constantly. So definitely, you found out this summer that you, you got to phase out this two. summer, and then my the date to go was in September of eighteen, September eighteen, September, excuse me, September eighteen to the twenty fifth. So it's pretty recent. Definitely. So you found out as you were barista at as Starbucks. I, yeah, for sure. Definitely, I was happy because I was off. And I found out because I picked up, so, yeah. Were the lemon bars a big reason? That I worked there? Yeah. No, I needed a job because I picked oh, up okay. my car. And then I remember I put in so much work calling. <laughs> I kept annoying the Starbucks manager. Like, hey, is my application good to go? And they're like, hi, right, we'll take you. We'll take you. I'm like, thank you. So So long story short, Kevin Eckert is very persistent with his applications. That's a good thing. To yeah, have. well, if you need to pay a bill, you, you do anything to get a job. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, all right. You just talked about how you got into phase two. And you listed the dates as being past tense so i can't help but 
you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about what that was like going to phase two. Because, I mean, all, all the regular ROTC cadet experiences yeah. is, all right, after 200 year, hopefully you're selected to field training at a PSP. And then you go off to Maxwell, or I don't even know where they went this past summer. Mm, um, um, Shelby. Shelby. Um, you do your two weeks, and you come back as a POC, then you commission. And you had the awesome experience of kind of going through another one of those, probably a little, yeah. a lot different. So kind of dive into, you know, your experience at, at phase two and when, what that was like, because I know this is something you really trained for. Yeah. Um, and maybe what you learned and stuff like that. I think um, a big part of, like, before I went to phase, or, like, during phase two, I mean, it, I remember a month out, like, August 18th, I kind of look at the calendar. I'm like, oh, I go, I go to phase two in a month, and I start panicking. I'm like, oh, freak, I'm going to phase two in a month. And then uh, it's like it's those little jitters that get you. Like, I remember I would be doing something normal, and then it would just pop in my head, phase two. I'm like, so, like, you definitely get the butterflies in your stomach. I remember, um, I remember before I left, it was a Thursday night. I left Saturday. My friends threw me, like, a going away, away party. Um, and I was so happy, like, um, I had so much support, but definitely it was like that pressure was building up because it's been a while since someone from our detachment went to phase two. So a lot of pressure was on my shoulders, uh, going in and it's crazy how time goes by so fast. I remember the Friday night, uh, I was at Epic Wings cause there was a, there was a, um, fundraiser. fundraiser. I remember sitting there around with some friends and then. Like the, the the time froze, and it just makes you realize how like fast time goes. Yeah. So I remember going home. This is like a month ago, right? It was like a month ago, and go home, and then all of a sudden it's Saturday morning. Um, uh, my girlfriend, she takes me to the airport. It's my flights for like zero seven forty five, and I'm ready to go. And then when I get to the terminal, they're flight delayed. I'm like, what? So definitely, like, I was like, all right, well, prolonging the inevitable, okay. So I, I leave the airport hanging with my girlfriend more, and then they, they rescheduled me for 11. So I get back to the airport, say my goodbyes, you know, and I get to the terminal and then delay it again, 1,300. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I, at this point, I got to call the point of contact right. and all everybody tell them I'm be late. Good, this is a good look for me, and... I remember I'm just staying in the airport for so long. I'm getting tired of it. Just thinking about it, just too. thinking about it. Like I'm, I want to get this done with, or like I want to get there. So finally, I got on the flight um, to uh, San Antonio, Texas, because uh, phase two is at Camp Bullis. I remember um, I sat next to the coolest guy ever. I bet I'm pretty sure that day was just God playing, you know, little blessings on me. And then the guy on that plane was a cool guy, and but his biggest biggest advice was, you know, stay healthy, man. Um, I, I would tell more about the story, but you know it's time for constraints. But um, I remember I arrive in San Antonio, Texas, and I'm walking to the baggage care, baggage claim. And before I got there, the point of contact told me like, "Oh yeah, we got some guys waiting for you." Oh boy! And I was like, "Okay." So I walk in and I see just two big monster guys. monsters, and they had the tag B patch, and I was like, "Oh, oh. A little giddy in there." And I walk up to them like, "Um." Top T? They're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm macerating. I'll get my stuff. They're like, all right, cool. So they were cool in the airport. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, I mean, it's a different experience for me because my flight was late, but I remember um, just being like serious at first. 
And they, I got in the car with them, and then we started driving, and then they just started joking around. They talk about their past exes and all that, and I'm like... You didn't know how like, to react. Is this a, is a test? And I'm like, okay. And then I remember just driving there, a little anxious, um, but um, I start, you know, you see all the establishments, all the restaurants, and all of a sudden you see the gate, the two camp bullets. Ooh, it's just late at night by then? No, nah, it's like, this is that. Late afternoon, like 5 p.m. So I'm hella late. I was supposed to be there by 4, 1400. So uh, we get there and then um, uh, we get to uh, Camp Bullis. Um, and then I start getting my gear ready and stuff. They say, oh, yeah, get into PTGs. All the tag P's there. The enlisted tag P's are like telling me what to do. They're not really yelling at me, they're like the support guys, so they're pretty cool. But I just remember them being so big, and I was like, why are these guys so big? But um, they said, oh, yeah, get any PTGs. Your team's waiting for you. And then they take me to a classroom, and then um, I walk in, and then everyone's there, all the guys, 24 of them. And then I remember the point of contact, coolest dude ever. He's like, all right, Mac Craig's here. Slow clap, slow clap. And everyone's like, the... I was like, oh, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So then uh, I get to my seat. There's a rifle, and there's a water bottle. A rifle? Like a like a little dummy rifle, right? Like M16 dummy rifle, and then they're like, "Yeah, um, don't be more than one arm length away from that, and always have your hydration source." I'm like, oh, all right, cool, 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 cool. And then um, so they're all waiting for me, and then we start eating our MREs, and um, uh, then we start our in processing brief. So uh, we start getting in process. Like, okay, you're here for top T. This is a week long week long evaluation to see if you can be a TACP officer. And then um, they basically just brief you like, oh, Camp Bullis is the Australia of Texas, uh, Australia of America. And then they were really right about that because, <laughs> oh, um, they, they, they stressed a lot about hydration and all that. And then we get into the ROEs. And here's where it's like it gets so different from your regular Air Force. Your yes and no's, your yes is affirmative. Your no is a negative. And... Um, when you look at an officer, you go to attention. When you look at your NCO, you go to parade rest. Um, also, when you're at attention, usually everyone's used to the thousand yards there. They say you look them in the eye. So I was like, whoa, that's like very different from what I'm used to. And also, they also stress the don't be farther far than the one arm length from your rifle and all that. Um, so that's basically your ROEs. So if someone were to talk to me that was cadre, I'd be like, affirmative, Captain Cornick. Negative, Major Lorson. Um, and you'd just be you'd be surprised how much time I say that now because I'm so wired sometimes. Uh, but that's basically your ROEs. And then the rest of the night is just learning some basic stuff like land nav, um, TLP, troop leading procedures, and all that. Just basic stuff. And during this time, it's more instructive. It's more instructive. Really. It's okay. not like, come you. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the important note is that you don't have a name there. You are, you're not Macarig. You are a number. What was your number? My number was 08. And then you also count in by numeral, by each numeral. So one, 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 two. So for a week, I was like zero eight. And I talked to my buddy, zero one, come with me to the restroom. And you can't have, you can't be alone, which is, you know, a basic R. We never tra travel alone. But that was my, my name for a week. And I still have the bottle. Well, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I have the bottle still, the tag P bottle. And then I have my number on it, zero eight. So that was my number, and I'm definitely proud to be that number. Um, but, yeah, so after that night, after we get instruction, we go to sleep around 1,100. 
and we're we're always going to try and get some sleep because Sunday is your pass test. So we wake up Sunday morning. Uh, we go to this little track, and uh, you do your pass test, and then your cadre is there. Uh, the cool thing was this. Um, so first is pull-ups, right? And your whole team faces away from the pull-up bar, and then one person at a time. Person on the bar, all of cadre is looking at you, and they say, okay, pull-ups, so chin over the bar, down, that's one. And then, okay, okay, for sure. And then whenever you're ready. So I'm first to go up, and then I go on the bar, and then I go. I go up, down, I hear click. I hear all new, multiple clicks, because no one's going to be like, one, two. They're counting your reps by click, click, click. So it's like, I'm just going up, and I was like, click, click, click. With a pen? Like with um, like a clicker. Oh, the, the number clicker thing. Yeah, you know, like people's like trying to get roll call. Got you. I hear So that's definitely like a mental thing. Like, huh? Were they saying anything? No. So you don't know if you got that rep. Or not, so definitely now. After seeing that, I was like, "Yeah, this is a mental game already." Um, so I did good on my pull-ups. Um, we do it each one at a time. Uh, where I really worried was the push-ups and sit-ups. Really? Yeah, For because you? you think you can have the right form, but once you get there, they know the right form. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was doing sit-ups, and I was kind of used to how we do it in here RTC. But here it's like your 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 fingers are interlaced behind your head, so that's how you're going up and down. But you need to keep it straight back. I did not know that. And during my first ten reps of sit-ups, they're like, "Nope, stop." They stopped me in the test. I was like, "Oh, damn!" It's my last warning. They're like, "Hey, you need to do this form because you got terrible form." And I was like, "Oh crap!" Like, because like if you fail this pass test, you're going home. So okay, I was like. More pressure there, and uh, I redo my sit-ups, passed. And then push-ups, same thing. Like, you think you have the good form, but I remember I was, like, repping it out, and I was going low, and then Kadre's like, lower zero weight. Lower zero weight. Do you have a shirt that has your number on it or something? No. Nah, you know. have, like, an armband that has Got your you. number on it. And you're, like, lower zero weight. And then <laughs> um, I get to 50, 5-0, and then Kadre's like, I'm not going to tell you again zero weight. And I'm at 50. I don't know what, how much time I have left because they don't tell you time increments. They just say start and stop. And then I remember I was at 50. And I was like, oh, I got to push. So I'm not going home early. So I just pushed it out. And then that was the scariest feeling, not knowing if you passed that because they don't tell you numbers. You just hear clicks. And then we do our three-mile run on the track. Um, definitely that one was, like, not as bad as I thought it would be. My main mentality was either you chase the guy in front of you or you run away from the guy behind you. Hmm. So. Definitely got done with that run, um, and then we go home. We go we go to back to our camp, and then it, it started to get real because point of contact came out. Our captain and he said, "Okay, um, zero. I forgot their name. Zero nine, zero four, zero six. Come here." He talks to them, and then those three guys come back and they're like, "Ah, damn, guys, we're going home. Filled with past tests. I was like, "Yo, just like, like that. They're going home. Wow. That's for real." I'm like. I was so happy because, like, man, all that money I put into getting this gear, all that time you put in, and you had to go home. You had to bring, yeah, you get a gear, gear list. Not like, not like tactical gear, like just like, just not like, um, like, uh, like a rug bag or no, 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 like, um, what's that? Like brush your teeth and all that. What's that? Oh, yeah, hygiene, you, uh, yeah, like hygiene stuff, yeah. all that miscellaneous stuff. But, uh, definitely. But okay, so they they left, and then what happened after that? After that, it was like a just do some testing, psych testing, and all that. 
boring stuff. Cool. Definitely falling asleep. That, was that still in processing? Just like, That's still in processing. Okay. And then it starts to get real. Um, I'm just going to say now, I can't really detail each aspect, but I can give you the big picture. But I remember a certain point, one of the tag people was like, all right, uh, get your team, uh, OCPs, all your civvies, all your civilian gear out into the, to the canopy in formation. And we're like, oh, it's going down. This is going to start. And uh, yeah, that night was definitely uh, like a wake up call because as a POC cadet, as like once you after like field training, you're not used to like getting yelled at anymore. You're used to being the yeller. So definitely putting back in that position where I'm getting like yelled at and I'm just getting smoked all the time. It's definitely a wake up call, but I was like, I was happy to be there. Hmm. Like, um, I remember we were like getting smoked and. I remember I saw, like, not like 10 minutes in, one guy just tapped me. He's like, hey, I'm going. I'm like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm like, what? And for those that don't know what smoked means? It's PT sessions. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you said he just he tapped just, He you. just tapped me. He's like, hey, I'm going. If you need to know me, I'm gone. I'm like, what? We just started. And I'm like, I was like, damn, is that real? So definitely that night, you're just getting, like, smoked, and you're just mental games on you. Mm. That's all I can say. Did because I know that you, you were preparing for a long time. Yeah, physically. I mean, you're you're actively involved in phase zero, mm-hmm. and you that helps you prepare to yeah. go to this. And was it was it harder mentally or physically when you were there? Definitely. Did, like I remember when I was getting smoked, the thought of quitting never really came. You know, okay. it's not the thought like, oh man, why am I here? It sucks. I remember I. They'll be, I'll be in a friendly rest. I'm like, okay, friendly rest. That's all I got to think about. And if there's instructions given to me, I'm thinking about those instructions. Uh, but definitely, like, it didn't really, like, feel like um, I wasn't really letting it get to my, like, mind, you know? I think because after you train for so long, you kind of build, like, a resistance to that. So definitely when I was there, I was just definitely thinking about being in the moment. It's like take each challenge as its own yeah, little segment definitely like I, when i was there i was like i wonder what we're gonna do next now i was like okay i'm just gonna figure out what i'm doing right here and just finish this evolution out right now and get to the next one when it comes and was that the first night or was that like the week that was the first night basically the week, but like that was the first night big old smoke session um and then you get your priorities at work before you go to bed and Priorities of work are basically tasks you got to do before you can do anything. So they're like, okay, your first priority of work is security. So whenever you're doing anything, make sure you have security with you. So if you were, like, eating, have guys, like, watch you while you – like, not watch you, but watch out for anything while you eat. And like then, 360 security yeah, or basically something? Yeah, okay. like You have, always have 360 security. And they'd be like, okay, you need to do med checks. You need to do, like, foot checks and all that. When everything is done, then you can go to sleep. Right? So imagine how many tasks we have to do first night before we can really sleep. But I remember, like, the task that was given to us, it was just way too, like, big of a task to even do. In a how many of you were there to do Right at that, that moment, we lost a good, like, bit right now. I can't really tell you the exact number. Sure. But I know how, what we ended with. But we, just so, like, just to give it perspective, we started 24 by, like, by now we lost around five guys. Because we lost three from the P- the past test, two from like first night smoke session, so what, twenty four minus five. Mm-hmm. Get a math guy. Yeah, nineteen. Twenty four minus five. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, that's why I'm Kenny's. 
yeah, but basically go to sleep late as hell. And I remember before I went to sleep, I was like, hmm, should I do more work before I go to sleep? Everyone else is sleeping. I think I should go to sleep now. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to sleep. It was vital, I bet, to get that sleep. Dude. But okay, so you had those those, those priority tasks to do. Yeah. And then was the day after that kind of similar or is it yeah, just... Yeah, day after that, I was like, I was sleeping and all I hear is, wake up, wake up. I was like, yep, here we go, here we go. Another beatdown session in the morning. We have to get all the gear on for this one because this one's a long movement. That's all I can say. Um, but you're just moving somewhere. You don't know where you're going, and you got to have, like, 360 security all the time, and you got to, like, know your, like, group formations, and you're trying to lead stuff, but then there's Kaji screaming in your face. So. What was similar to field training, if anything? Because I'm trying to get – because phase two, you're, you're saying it's – it's meant to evaluate yeah. your candidacy to be um, a leader in that special warfare position. Yeah. Besides, it, like the smoke session, obviously that uh, you kind of talked about. Is what else do they look for? Like, what do they? So, like, you can put out in a workout. Like, you can definitely survive a workout. But in that midst of chaos, who's the person that's going to step up, take the leadership, and give the direction the team needs in order to like move on? Hmm. because you can get smoked and they're like the cadre is like all right everyone done smoke session all right you have five minutes to get your gear how are you going to get your gear who's the guy that's going to step up be like okay i need to delegate this task to someone because they really know this or are you going to be the guy to echo what you hear that's what they're looking for guys who step up because um it's it's not enough just not to quit it's it's more to who's going to have the will to prepare to win who's going to want that slot and how are they going to show they won that slot Cause you can't show, you can't really get a slot by surviving. You gotta like really like find a way to. Mm, that that's a good point. So people, you can't just say, "Oh, I didn't tap." There has to be something more to that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Hmm, I didn't know that. And you, you were talking about how the initiative aspect of it. Do yeah. they not assign like you're the flight commander? They, they do. They do. Okay. They they like there's a team leader for the day with ATL for the assistant team leader. And you have you can like delegate element leaders and stuff like that. So yeah, there was a team leader for the day, but it wasn't not like for the rest of the day. It was like you you're, you're switching out. They're switching out positions like every now and then just to see who, just like evaluate more. That makes sense. Yeah. Did you hold any of those? For some reason I was like TL for like five minutes and then <laughs> they gave it something oh, else. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. There goes my the moment to shine. But um, yeah, definitely they look for the guy who steps up who stays calm and knows how to give the good direction. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And mm-hmm. you made it all the way through. Yeah, I made it all the way through. I mean, I mean, we can start, we can like finish off like each day. So like right now it's Monday. Yeah. And I remember it's just, it's just a early morning smoke session from da, from dark till sunlight. So it was pretty cool. Cause like, I remember going through it. I was like looking up at the sky. It was like dark. And I was like, Oh, I you get your watches. Time. So the thing is, it's tricky because before you go to top T, there's a study. There's like a, a research group there and they give you like a Garmin watch, an aura ring, a sleep ring and all that. So we were able to wear our watches the entire time. So we knew time and we mm. knew direction and stuff like that. But in the moment, it's hard to keep track. It's hard to keep track or remember you have that because you're just doing so, so much stuff that you're not gonna be like, how many steps do I have today? You can only track that when you're eating. Like, oh, I'm burning this yeah. many calories. Funny note is like my Garmin tracked all the steps and mileage from the weekend. It was like an average twenty mile a day wow. kind of thing. So I was like, "Yo, that's pretty cool." I wish I could have uploaded on Strava when I had the chance, but yeah, 
time went by. Get some PT credit for your time yeah, over there. Yeah, like 50 mile a week, 60 mile a week. Like, I wish I got credit for that. I did though, but it's cool. Cool. Yeah. And then Tuesday? So, still Monday. Still in the mid-Monday. Okay, Not okay. even like past Monday evening yet. But like, I remember Monday, the first morning smoke stress is already sunlight. And um, I remember we had to do some testing. And you can see in guys' faces, they're shell-shocked. Like, like I remember um, I went to the restroom with a buddy. And I got out the restroom. And I saw his face. He was just in shock. And I was like, even I was in a little shock too. I was like, wow, what are they going to make us do next? But I was like, you know what? Just stay in the moment. Just whatever you're doing right now, just focus on that. Uh, but we had a lot of guys quit that morning. Like, uh, We had, what, 19? And after that smoke session, we lost like more than half. Either they quit on their own or they're injured. But like... It's crazy because I was using the restroom and I, I was doing more tasks and I come back to the group and then they just tell me, oh, this guy dropped, this guy quit. And I was like, what? I, I was just with this guy. So it was definitely like, they just go. And um, the biggest thing I saw from that was like, if you quit, then you get all your gear and you wait for the bus. And you know, you say bye to your bye, you say bye to the guys like, hey man, good luck to you, good luck the rest of the week. But then life goes on. Like, um, I remember the guys, they would sit at this table and just wait for the bus. But the guys that were still in were doing their own thing. Even though you were getting smoked already or you were doing a task, you were doing everything, staying on the task, staying focused. But you would pass by those guys. And there was, like, there was no pity there. And in my mind, I was like, if I quit, there is no one going to be like, oh, it's okay, man. It's like, if I quit, then life goes on. And I, I would have to see these guys still in the fight go by me and do their thing while I, if I were to, like, wait for that bus. So I definitely didn't want to be a guy that waited for the bus to go home. And also, once you quit, you turn in your rifle and stuff. So I remember in the gym, there was, like, a big line of rifles. Like, if you ever see, like, the SEALs when they do buds and stuff? Like they, if the you bucket? Quit, the, 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 yeah, the helmets. They put it in a line. All the guys that, like, washed out. So whenever I saw that line of rifles, I was like, I do not want to be in this line. I do not want to be the guy that sees my rifle there and be like, I remember him. I want to, like, finish this week. So, and it was crazy. It was only Monday, and we already had that many dropouts. So, um, rest of the day, do tasks. And then um, by the evening, do a smoke session before you uh, sleep. And you can go to sleep very late because you're doing your tasks still. Uh, Wednesday. Tuesday morning, same old thing, another smoke session. Um, but then now we're going to do land nav. Uh, we do a little bit of land nav in like the hot, sunny, grassy plains of Campbellis. And, and yeah. yeah, that day was no joke because we had like one guy heat casualty because he was like heat exhaustion. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is like no joke. And we thought we we're going to lose another guy because like right now we're at eight people, but he didn't quit that day. Um, a little blurry right now, memory-wise, but on Tuesday, we end. And then Wednesday rolls around. I'm always sure. I'm safe to say there's always a smoke session every time I wake up. <laughs> but that's how it is. It was probably a smoke session. Um, but then we do scenarios. 
Ah, like, there's this, a different part of it. There's okay. the Biggie Valde, I would say. And, um, is it like a GLP or? No, nah, that was the that was Thursday. But this was scenario day where you are you have a, a squad or a team, a fire team, and you're gonna go on an objective. You're gonna achieve achieve whatever you need from that objective, and come back to your starting point. Um, this was a cool day. We had like we used like blanks. Well, while the op four used sims, so we couldn't shoot them, but they could shoot us. <laughs> <laughs> which is like wow um uh that day was it was cool because we got to actually do like tactical stuff like oh, it's a break from a smoke session but um you're still being evaluated um but that was like the hardest day for me yeah. why uh because we started off doing five-man fire team or four-man fire teams um but eventually we got to the point where we did a squad so that's like an eight-man fire team led by one guy um and ah dude this moment was so funny because we had a squad leader and then Kadri's like okay your squad leader brief your team on a plan and the guy was a and this attack piece so he knew all this stuff man he's like okay we're gonna go through the tree line and all this we're gonna overwatch battling overwatch we're gonna get the objective come back and then i was like zoning out a bit because i was sleepy and i was tired and i was like, just nodding my head all of a sudden, Kadre is like, okay, you're fired. Zero eight, lead this one. And that caught me off, like, surprised. I was like, I was like, what are the chances that I was going to get selected for a scenario where I was not even listening and I had to lead a bigger team? Um, but <laughs> the leadership role switched to me, and they're like, okay, make a call. And I was like, uh, all right. um, Like, I was blanking. I was like, okay, we're just going to do this, do that. And definitely, like, I had no plan. I had no vision. And being in a leadership position at that point, when you're, all, you're just tired and all that, it was definitely... It's a lot harder. It's, other factors. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of factors there. Uh, but definitely, like, my confidence wasn't there. And um, I kind of, like, led my team into, like, disaster. I kind of split my team into, like, a way where we couldn't communicate with each other. Uh, but eventually, um, like, the scenario, we failed it badly. My, my whole, like, I lost one whole team. And there's no way I could like keep track of that. And we go back in index, and then we go back in debrief. And um, so this is a scenario that you weren't even initially supposed to be, yeah, in charge of, but it just got thrust onto you. Yeah, got you. And um, definitely threw that one under the bus. But we get back in debrief, and um, uh, the way they debrief there, it's definitely a way not. It's not how we do it here. It's like okay, I think this went well. This went bad. They're definitely probing your answers. They're definitely asking questions to you to get an answer out of you and what you see because they're observing your thought process. Uh, but they ask this one question. All right. Um, who do you guys think was the weakest person on your team? And I was like, yep. I already know everyone's going to choose me. And then they go down the line. All right, zero one. who do you think? Did they like, ask you first? No, no, no. They ask like in like wherever, whoever's standing in what order, like you first. So they ask, who's the weakest person on your team? And then they go down the line and they go like, um, zero one, just cause you know, his leadership, blah, 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 like kind of failed the mission. And then that was like first hit down the line. Oh uh, yeah. Zero one up uh, zero eight for me. Uh, because you know, this and that next person, zero eight, next person, zero eight. So I'm getting a consistent line of people saying that I'm like the weakest part of that team. And then when you're hearing that in the moment, you're just like, and you're already tired. I'm already tired. I'm already beat up, and my confidence is shot down. So, like, 
definitely that was like the lowest part of my like whole experience because I was just so humble and I was just so like like it was like I didn't necessarily want to quit but I was definitely like just I was starting to feel sorry for myself I was like damn because you worked so hard and you're like damn and then like yeah and definitely small situation it was like it just showed me like there's a certain aspect that I didn't work on and it showed here and like after getting all the feedback Everyone's saying that was like the lowest. Did you have a discussion after that too with Kadre um, and the rest of them? Or yeah, there's definitely a deep, there's a debrief in the end of feedback when it's all cool. But I remember like that was like the lowest part of my like experience, just because like you don't want to fail like that bad, you know. And just like having to experience that was like damn. I was like, oh, definitely a low point for me. But um. I didn't want to stay too sorry for myself. I just said, like, you know what? I'm learning here. I'm going to bring it back to the debt, and I'm going to teach that. So that's definitely what kept me in the fight. So, and then we uh, finished out scenarios that day. And then um, um, even though you're done doing scenarios, you're still being evaluated. And um, I remember we were doing this ruck. We had to follow a guy who had no weight on him. We had, like, 45 pounds. And then we just keep going and then sometimes when you don't when you go for when you ruck for like a a long time and you don't know how long you're going it definitely gets in your head you know because like Kadri's like I wonder how long this ruck is I wonder how long this ruck is zero eight how long is this ruck 12 miles five miles I was like it's as long it's as long as it is as long as it has to be but I remember the the funniest part was we're rucking and then we're passing by the entrance to the camp and then in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're about to end. We're about to end. We're about to end. And then we start passing by the entrance. And the cadre's like, all right, lap one. Lap one. Who wants to take a break? I'm like, <laughs> But, yeah, we, yeah, I had to stick that one through. So you took another lap? Uh, I'll let you guess what happened. Yeah, okay, <laughs> got you. But, yeah, definitely finished that one. And then um, it's Wednesday night, and then we're in the finish. We're, like, almost there. We know it. Thursday morning comes around, another smoke session. Then you do GLPs. And then I remember there's a certain time. I'm like, this is it. We're about to end. And I'm like preparing myself mentally. Like, just, you know, if we're going to end, they're going to smoke us pretty good. And uh, I can't quit here. So I got to really mentally prep for this one big event. And then um, I remember we are the captain call our team lead. And then he talked to him. He comes back with a smile on his face. And then he's like, anyone else want to quit? And then we're like, no. And then he's like, all right, well, we can shower now and then have a pizza party. And I'm like, I was like, what? That's how they did it, huh? That's how they did it. I was like, wait, you're not going to smoke me right now, man. So definitely it was like this like surreal moment, like, wow, I'm done. And, yeah. Um, the coolest part was the pizza. Huh? The pizza was the coolest part? No, no, no. The coolest part was, like, we walked back to the gym, and we're all, like, like, smoking around. We're, like, joking and stuff, like, all talking, and we're all stretching, using our foam rollers, our lacrosse balls, because we're so, like, jacked up in our bodies. Uh, but I remember there was a certain point where there was silence. It just fell upon us. And no one was talking, but everyone was just, like, just sitting there. And, like, it was, like, the most comfortable moment I've ever been in because... We just finished, and we just wanted that moment of, like, self-reflection. Mm. So definitely, like, when I saw that moment, I was like, yeah, 
can't quit now. Yeah, so you got your pizza party. You talk with the cadre who, like, just, like, smoked you, just put you through hell. Which is one of the best moments because they're actually, like, cool. They, they talk to you like a human. But, yeah, Thursday. Thursday's done. The deed is done. Friday was, like, a evalu- not an evaluation day, but, like, a fun day. We do, like, all these um, tests, physio- exercise physiology tests. Just for, like, the group, the study group that I mentioned. And Saturday, you get your results. When you're there. Huh? When you're there. Yeah, when you're there. Wow. So I remember, um, in my mind, I was like, yeah, I already know I'm not getting selected, even though it'd be nice to think that I would be. Just knowing how I performed, it's good to just, like, not be like, man, I wish I was getting selected. Yeah, my mindset was, I know I'm get- not getting selected, but I'm not letting it kind of bury me. I'm going to use this experience to get myself better and also get the guys who want to do this to be better because there is some valuable things in here. Uh, but I remember um, I get the news, non-select, and as I'm walking out the room... Do they just yeah, tell you? They, you go. It's like really short. It's like you go in, they're like, okay, we decide not to select you or select you. And then you take it as it is, and then you leave the room. They don't give you feedback? Or yeah, that's the feedback. It's like after. Got you. But then I remember the biggest moment of there was like, um, as I'm leaving the room, the captain in charge of the whole thing, he stopped me, he shook me, like firm handshake, looked me in the eye, he tapped my chest, and he's like, you know you're not a quitter. So remember that, you know, and just come back. And definitely like when I heard that, I was like almost tears to my eyes, but like it was like happiness because I know I didn't quit and I know I had it in me. And I just know I got to work on more things, but like... Feeling all that stuff, it was like the best week of my life. So after that, you get feedback with the cadre. Tell you they they give you your feedback about what you think you can do better and stuff. And then uh, you go home. And then good thing for me, my flight got delayed again, so I come home late. So but good, <laughs> yeah, I got home. So I'm pretty happy about that. That's really admirable from you to the fact that you trained so hard for this, and despite the outcome not being probably the best result. You, you took it as a lesson to learn from. And, you know, you you came in as prepared as you wanted to be. And now I feel like you learned probably a good amount from going. Good to yeah, agree with. This is the biggest learning experience ever. Yeah, and like humbling too. Yeah, the good humbling. Um, And I think, thank you for sharing that that story. Because I can tell this is something you wanted to, to share. And I this is going to be super valuable for yeah. cadets that want to go to this process and yeah you you didn't quit you grinded it out Mm -hmm. and you know i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that stays over there that will stay over there and um is this something that you want to still pursue yeah definitely like i didn't leave camp bullets sorry for myself i know i wasn't in a pity party i didn't have boo-boo lips i was definitely like once i left i was like i want to go back already like when can i apply but definitely is like use this time that you have now just to like keep honing that edge. Uh, because I know like I came in with good parts and I came in with dull parts. So it's just now I'm like, how do I sharpen every edge I have? For you, what what is that thing you want to sharpen? Definitely like the attention to detail aspect because the misconception I would ha- I say I would have of all special warfare it's just guns blazing, call bombs, all that stuff. But definitely there's an attention to detail aspect because people can die if you don't know your thing. And I remember 
there was days where my gear wasn't squared away. I was not standardized. And then you know who got punished for that? It was the team that got punished for that. And when you see that your team's getting punished because of your failing, it's definitely like a humbling thing because one time, okay, they'll let it go. Two times, maybe. Three times that you're consistently not pulling out with that stuff, simple stuff, you're going to get in your own, own head and be like, does my team now want me? That's definitely what was running through my head. The attention to detail, making sure you're squared away before you square away others. Um, also, it was like not acting as someone else that I'm not. Hmm. Uh, where it really showed was that scenario. Like when I got the scenario lead, I was like, okay. I was like, kind of like, you know, Captain Sobel from Banner Brothers? Yep. Like, you know, you try to act like a leader, but you're really not. <laughs> I definitely was like thinking that if I had a loud voice and said this stuff, I would uh, be like a leader. But nah, leadership has no like final form. It's different with every person. Um, but yeah, it's just for down for me to like, how do I f- figure this out now? You know? Yeah, I commend that, the fact that you can acknowledge that and and build upon it. So now you're back in the debt. Yeah. How was the oh, transition? Or was it weird? Because I know for a lot of us, we you know, we announced it, I think, during a Thursday BT, hey, you're going. Mm-hmm. And then life just you know, continued on at the detachment yeah. while you're grinding it out. And then yeah. you come back and it's like, oh, Ken Macarig's back. Was it a hard to just suddenly pop into cadet life again? I mean, for me... Is is funny because, like, you're so sleep deprived, deprived, and you're so wired that it carries on to you. So I remember zero two hundred in the morning. I'll be up. I'll be like standardizing my room because Cadre's coming, and I'll putting. Really, it's funny because I remember one night I was like, "Where's my Where's my thing?" And I I, I saw a bag it had the bag had all the gear in it. I was like, "Oh, that's where I put it." I was standardizing that. Oh, even I even when I was at the airport because I, I had to lay over and I had to sleep at um Phoenix Airport because like my flight was delayed. Right. And I remember middle of the night, my my team was going somewhere. I was like, okay, I, I got to go with the team. And then I wake up and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? So definitely like coming back, I was like, I was not 100% me again. I was definitely still zero eight for a bit. Um. Um. Uh, but when I came back to detachment. I, I wasn't really like, oh yeah, I went to phase two. Right. Respect me. I was like, I was like, I was, I just went back to the normal way I was, um, but definitely like humbled, very humbled. Okay. What is, given the fact that, hopefully a lot of people listening to this, or some of you are now interested in pursuing this career, or already were and wanted to find out more, and there's gonna be some that are gonna try to do different careers and. I think your experience can help all cadets in the detachment. How do you, like, what do you want to share from maybe your time there or maybe just the path to trying to pursue yeah. a special warfare career? That could probably help all cadets out. Yeah, um, definitely. Like, um, um, you know, beginning is never easy. It's never meant to be easy. And um, whatever path you forge for yourself, it's because you want to be, like, a better you. Mm. Um, I would definitely say, like, don't be afraid to start. Don't be afraid of all, like, the hardship that you're going to go through because the hardship is going to just make you better. Right. And you can – your hardship can be different from my hardship. Like, you can definitely aim to be, like, going for NGEPT and 
putting all that effort there, and that's your grind. And I respect that because there's gonna be a there's gonna be a a certain way you understand life different from someone else. Sir. So whatever grind you have, that's your grind. As long as it humbles you, as long as you never never develop an ego by yourself, as long as you feel like you need to keep earning every day, that's your grind. And you need to keep figuring out what that grind is because once you feel like you've achieved what you uh, what you were like going for, then you failed already. You you already let your ego get to you, and you need to restart, go back to day one, because you need to feel like you're never satisfied about what you're doing. And like I said, your grind can be different from mine. Like you don't need to be be all PT stud like some of us, but you if you know that you're working as hard as the next guy, you know have faith in yourself and don't like don't allow yourself to get complacent. So just right. keep grinding. Your limits are higher than you yeah, think exactly. they are. And that's something I really respect about you, Phase Zero, uh, guys and gals, is, you know, I think it's whether it's you, uh, I think Cadet Coleman's in Phase Zero. Yeah. Um, Jerome. Yep. Cadet Lieutenant Colonel Jerome. Jerome, Butchko, Carr, Stewart, Cardenas, Car- uh, Conroy, Perez. Yeah. And even going back to the yeah, past back of, the- like, Lombardo and Edra A and them, is you all have some of the higher performers in ROTC. And obviously you're in great physical shape because you'll get after it. I remember going to a couple phase zero sessions, my 100, 200 year, and I would just die. Um, and it, it did help me get in, in better shape and probably working out with you has too. But the fact that you all work so hard and you grind so hard, but you're also so humble. Like you and Tanner and a lot of them are, are very like – you're not quiet. You're just reserved, yeah. Yeah. and you choose your moments. Um, and that's something I respect about you all is that you know you can do it, but you don't need to have that presence yeah. about yourself. Um, it's definitely um, the quiet professional is how we say it. Quiet professional. I like that one, definitely. Well, as we're – I think we're approaching a little over an hour here. Yeah, I I'm a little sleepy. just want to kind of reflect on what we talked about and yeah. – a little call to action to cadets is to know that the limits you have in this program for yourself, you know what they are, and only you can be the one to push your own limits. Okay, Mac right here, beyond any measure, really pushed his limits and what he wanted to do. And this isn't saying that y'all need to be like him and, you know, run three miles yeah. and all that swimming you did, like, you know, some of us aren't, aren't trying to do that, right? But, okay, like grinding out in academics or kind of what you're saying about like flight stuff and things like that is just really don't get complacent um, in this program. And that's a big reason why I wanted to talk to you is because you're someone that just finds a new avenue to grind on continuously. And the fact that you don't even see what you going, it's not a failure to you. It's a yeah. new opportunity mm-hmm. to keep growing and build upon you know, you're an, are you an exec instructor now? I am. Yeah, so you're building upon that. You're going to help your FTP cadets, um, and then you're going to commission and probably, you know, go back to phase two and, and try and do that again. Yeah, but God willing. Definitely. Um, but besides that, I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Have a good one. See ya.